Hi, this is Brett Hickey, founder and CEO of Star Mountain Capital. I'm delighted to be joined by my partner, Dr. Lev Bordovsky, our Chief Risk Officer, to give you a little bit of update on the economy, including around the virus, that we hope you will find helpful for your business and personal matters. Star Mountain, as a reminder to many, is a specialized asset manager. We are focused exclusively on investing in the U.S. lower middle market, which in plain English is businesses that are established and generally have over $3 million of annual EBITDA, or you can think of that as pre-tax earnings, and typically don't have more than $20 million of EBITDA. Uh, we also have a secondary business where we provide early liquidity to investors that would like to sell their limited partnership interests in other lower middle market funds. So we are both a lender, a private equity investor, and a secondary fund purchaser in the U.S. lower middle market, which provides us with a lot of data and insights that we believe are helpful in investing and we hope will be of interest to you all as well. Uh, I've been investing in this market now for approximately 20 years uh, after, uh, following being an investment banker at Citigroup Solomon's Barney in New York. And uh, my partner, Dr. Lev Bordovsky, has been a risk officer in the investment space for about 25 years, where he also used to work for our chairman, Brian Finn, that was the head of Credit Suisse Alternatives, before spinning out of Credit Suisse with the uh, GSO team as the founding chief risk officer of GSO Blackstone, uh, one of the preeminent credit shops built in the U.S. Lev also writes a piece for the Wall Street Journal called The Daily Shot, which is very informative, great graphical driven data that I highly encourage you to look into if you're not already following. Let's talk about market valuations a little bit. Um, many talk about a world right now of two stories. One story is the economy. Uh, as we know, the economy is very challenged and while we are starting to see recovery, it's from a very low point and the second quarter of this year is going to be a very difficult year for many companies from a both revenue and cash flow perspective. If you just follow the public markets, you see a different story. Right now, the public markets are back again at uh, near multi-decade type of highs on a forward price to earnings ratio, which is really a reflection of a couple things. One, there is sentiment by many that businesses will recover and then continue growing very strong. Uh, they understand that there is some shorter-term challenges, but when they look out long-term, they believe that will all pass and continue to be strong again, similar to the uh, past decade that we just finished growing through. There is a second dynamic that's overlaid, which is the amount of capital that's sitting around and a lot of people having a fear of missing out that may be greater than the fear of loss. Uh, our house view at Starbound Capital is that there are more challenges in the economy generally than what the public markets would be telling you and looking at. Um, as a cautionary note, and we are certainly not here to time the markets for anybody, we focus on private market investing only, but when we look at the fundamental economic data uh, of the U.S. and global economies, uh, we think that the current stock market valuations are puzzling a little bit to many of us. Let's talk about the virus a little bit. Uh, virus and economy are obviously highly correlated 
and intertwined. Uh, thankfully, the whole world is really pushing hard and trying to find vaccines uh, at different types of uh, ways of recovering treatments, cures, and so forth. Uh, as you can see here, there are over 60 leading parties around the world that are focused aggressively on research and developing vac vaccines, which we think is very encouraging for the long term, but we would note that vaccines do take time, they need to be tested, they may need to ensure that the side effects can be managed and mitigated. So there are a lot of considerations to take into account thinking on a more short-term basis, uh, maybe think of short-term as the next 12 months, but certainly beyond that there seems to be a tremendous amount of hope which is encouraging for society. From an infection and fatality rate, uh, as you can see here, the U.S. confirmed cases has continued to drop, as has U.S. fatalities, which is very encouraging for society. And we uh, hope we'll continue to move forward, although there's certainly some questions around pace of reopening and should that cause for a bit of a W shape with a slight, slight extra resurgence. Um, let's talk about a uh, little, little uh, real working from home. Uh, pardon me, my son just came into my room as he gets ready for bath time. I'm sure we're all working through that, so apologies for the quick delay there. Let's talk about New York State and uh, how New York State is fighting the pandemic as well. You can see that the death rate has dropped uh, dramatically, and uh, that's certainly very encouraging signs for all of us. And the state has uh, stated to be going through a larger reopening shortly here uh, on June 8th. Looking at the entire United States, as many people know, the country is really reopening uh, at different degrees. It's going to be, of course, very important how policymakers choose to reopen to try to avoid a second hit of COVID. Um, there have been some indications of that in, in certain states that that can happen. Um, but the states need to reopen. They are reopening. And uh, that's really you know, good to see. And we hope it will be done in a, in a prudent, measured manner, which really all of us contributing to how that's done, I think, is, is critical. We can see here that different types of industries are reopening. You can see here where they're reopening on a state basis. Uh, there are certainly other business lines such as fitness and gyms that are not yet reopened for the most part and a lot of questions as to when they will be reopening, but there is a lot of reopening uh, that is occurring, which is, of course, encouraging. Let's look now at some of the mobility as some additional data on what's going on with the economy. Here you can see driving, uh, mass transit and walking. Uh, driving and walking has continued to be accelerating while folks remain fearful of mass transit in general. I know in uh, New York, Metro North has mandated masks for being on trains. I think that's a good thing and I presume society here in the U.S. and presumably other regions may follow other countries like South Korea and how they've operated and 
that become a little bit uh, more of a normal way of life, at least in the uh, certainly short and medium term. Another data point that uh, Lev and I were talking about earlier is within driving to note that the consumption of gasoline has really not picked up from an energy consumption basis uh, to before, which would lead people to think that a lot of the driving that's happening is much shorter distance driving. Now let's switch over and uh, let, let's talk a little bit about the um, uh, economy here and then we'll, we'll get into a few other kind of data points so I'll pass over to Lev to talk about. We, we talked a little bit about our view here uh, as Star Mountain versus the public market and you can see it here as well. The consumer uh, confidence sentiment, uh, which is the index of consumer sentiment, the ICS compared to the S&P, you can see here that the S&P continues to really grow and has rebounded in a way that is extremely different from sentiment and how people really feel from a confidence perspective. Um, and Lev, what else do you think about that? Any other insights? That's a, that's a big divergence. Yeah, and some of this um, has to do with the different views from institutions versus individuals. Uh, so uh, you, you have fund managers who um, are sitting on a lot of cash and they're not as concerned about consumer confidence. They just want to make sure that they don't get left behind on as the market re recovers and so they don't want to underperform and so they, they're jumping in. At the same time, consumers are, you know, remain pretty nervous. In fact, this uh, consumer sentiment from the University of Michigan actually uh, dipped uh, in the second half of May, uh, which uh, you know, so, so it's not it's the recovery in, in, in sentiment is going to be much slower than than what's happening in the stock market. That's helpful. Thanks, Lev. What do you think here? Is the we see Lev that the credit card spending is starting to pick up as our U.S. mortgage applications. Um, uh, any any other insights do you think would be helpful other than? seen the trend lines continue to you know move back up in a positive direction sure so the the the, the one nice thing in on the credit card side that that the one nice trend is that you're starting to see credit card spending in brick and mortar establishments uh, so people are getting out and they're shopping and it's going to help uh, sustain some of these businesses uh, that that have been through through some very challenging times uh, versus just online, which is what 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 we saw during the lockdown, on the on the mortgage applications, it's it's a it's a really interesting and a, and a very positive story. The housing market has been uh, uh, exceptionally resilient. Uh, you know, it, it's just been absolutely remarkable. Uh, mortgage applications are now completely rebounded to uh, pre pre crisis levels. Um, and, and there are a couple of trends there. One is people have been saving money and now mortgage rates are at record lows or near record lows and, and people want to take advantage of it. This is their, their time to do it. There's another trend that, uh, that is a little different and that is people living in apartments, sort of more crowded cities and downtowns want to get out. Uh, they're nervous about the, the epidemic and being you know, a part of big crowds and so they're buying uh, homes in the suburbs, and and that's part of the part of the trend here. That's great. Yeah, we certainly see that up here in Westchester and Connecticut. Um, from from a recovery expectation, we thought this polling from the Wall Street Journal 
was interesting to see when people think the stock market will fully recover. You can see here that about 65% of responders expect that the stock market will recover within the next two to 12 months. So it's a good, I think this is a good way to kind of think about uh, sentiment, generally speaking. Uh, as Lev mentioned, the 10-year uh, Treasury uh, is at extreme uh, low levels, it reached a 70 basis points. And Lev, uh, today I think you mentioned the five-year reached an all-time low, is that right? Yeah, so we dipped, this morning we dipped below 0.3% on the five-year, which is a record low. That's, that's fantastic. So I guess uh, good for those locking in uh, low rates to do things with. Uh, as, as we look at some economic data that's important, there have been the weakest ratings across the middle and large market leverage loans is, is generally what this index uh, represents here from Standard Poor's. But you can see that in red, the triple C and lower uh, rated fixed income securities are back up to all-time highs uh, compared to the last recession. And the single B minus or lower have actually now surpassed the highs from the last recession. So certainly from our view, uh, there's going to be a lot of people that will be forced sellers of assets and looking to sell assets come the second quarter uh, of this year. And that's certainly something with our secondary business, some of our other strategies that we're uh, carefully looking at from an opportunistic perspective. And a lot of people should probably be paying attention, thinking about what kind of things might be in their portfolio that have exposure to what could be a pretty challenging second quarter of this year. Uh, credit rating deteriorations have, of course, spiked um, you know, related to the last. And, and this is, I think, just helpful to see the magnitude of that spike. From a pension fund perspective, as uh, one way of looking at a pretty broad return exposure. Uh, the quarterly returns in Q1 were uh, worse than the losses from the last recession from Q4 of 2008, making it the worst quarter that the U.S. public pension plans have faced in the last 40 years. As we look into what's happened since the second quarter of last year, this is an interesting chart here that breaks out showing different periods of time. Probably most relevant is the green color, which goes from the end of March until the end of May. So you can really see how sectors within the S&P have performed. And you can see that the sectors have largely you know, bounced back quite aggressively, um, as has the S&P and, and many other uh, indices. From a, and one of the big reasons behind that is the Fed's stimulus. Um, you know, we've talked about this before, but there's really been an unprecedented level of gov government stimulus. And you can see here across the different verticals of commercial paper funding, uh, money market, Main Street, the PPP program, uh, payment protection plan that stands for and others. Uh, Lev, any, any insights that you find interesting as maybe looking at this slide and then also overlaying this with just the, the speed and amount that the U.S. has stepped in 
to help boost the economy? Any takeaways you think would be helpful for folks? Yeah, just just as a general note, um, the lessons of, of 2008 are pretty fresh in, in a lot of policymakers' uh, minds, and, and they, they didn't want to be caught in the same situation as, as they were in, in, in 2008, where the recovery was really slow. They wanted to, to be aggressive, and, and both the Fed and, and Congress acted rapidly and uh, you know with the three trillion dollar uh you know stimulus package what's interesting about this and, and one of the reasons the stock market is continues to rally is that there's apparently more on the way uh and the public expects more and congress expects more there's more more additional support for small businesses and potentially additional extension of uh, ex uh you know, bigger unemployment benefits and, and other types of stimulus packages that are yet to come. That's helpful. Yeah, and I think on behalf of certainly U.S. small businesses where, uh, you know, we focus in and establish not, not, not startup type of companies, but private businesses, I think that the U.S. is going to benefit from the pace of which the government has provided stimulus that allows for U.S. companies to have more liquidity, be able to retain jobs better, uh, rehire people better, and I presume that will provide the U.S. with additional competitive advantages relative to other countries, and then as well the U.S. of course having a lot less dependency on international trade should be a further benefit on a relative recovery basis uh, for the U.S. And here you can see a little bit of where this capital has come from and just see the magnitude of how important this capital from the government has really been. The Paycheck Protection Program, or the PPP program as referred to, has dramatically outpaced the money to small businesses relative to banks as a good comparative point by around seven times. As we look here um, at uh, you know, some of the banks, uh, a lot of this relates to real estate, uh, but there are definitely challenges within commercial real estate. And you can see here uh, how many banks have had to, and this is just a subset of banks for sake of clarity, not all, uh, from a Jenny Montgomery Scott research report uh, from a couple weeks ago, but it's showing how many of the bank's loan portfolios are in deferral, meaning that the uh, their underlying borrowers are not paying them on a current basis. Those are some pretty high numbers when you start to get into 15 to 22 percent. Lev, how do you think about the economy as we head into Q2? We know Q2 is going to be a much harder number than uh, Q1 was, but that the economy is starting to recover, so that'll hopefully uh, be trending well or much better at least for Q3. H how do you think about the banks, the default rates in general, and whether we expect this to get is it get worse before it gets better still? Yeah. Uh, so the mortgage situation is um, is such that you have an increasing number of people deferring mortgages, and, and some of this reflects deferred mortgages. Um, and that's been obviously helpful for the public. The question is when when is these mortgages going to start getting pay, pay, you know, start paying again? And that remains to be seen. I mean, people will will try to push it pretty far. So in Q3, we might start seeing some of these mortgages, some of these banks 
saying, look, it's time you start paying, paying the mortgage. Uh, on the uh, commercial real estate side, um, there may be situations when, when there's just no recovery. And, and I think co the commercial real estate will face some significant challenges in the months to come. Um, the you know, cash flows have stopped and in a, a lot of cases, and um, a good portion of those are not just not coming back. Yeah, we talked to one of our uh, one of our family office investors that is a large real estate owner that has both residential and commercial. And interesting enough, he said he's been able to do a really good job keeping their uh, residential clients paying at a pretty high rate uh, in the in the mid nineties but that the commercial borrowers that something like 85% of them just stopped paying. And, you know, what are you supposed to do? How do you take them to courts? How do you extract money? Who else are you going to replace that tenant with? Um, not, not an easy dynamic for uh, commercial landlords, certainly. A uh, little more information on a relative basis globally. Here, this looks at different central banks' responses as far as capital injections. And it's always, we think, helpful to see things on a relative basis. So here we're comparing it on the left. You can see central banks' holdings of government bonds as a percentage of their total issuance. And I think what when I look at this, I see countries like Japan, the UK, the Eurozone, where the central bank is holding a much bigger percentage of it versus other type of holders um, you know, on, the, on a private sector basis. And on the right, where we see the central bank's balance sheets looking at another way is as a percentage of the GDP, I think it bodes well on a relative basis that the US's central bank balance sheet uh, is much lower as a percentage of GDP to certain other countries, um, particularly Japan, of course, and the Eurozone. Lev, how do you think this matters? Is, is this something that people need to care about over the next year or two, or is this more of when you're thinking kind of five, 10 years out? Um, it, there, there's, there's a little bit of a concern that in the longer run, uh, you're going to start seeing some inflationary pressures. That's simply because once when you flood the uh, economy with liquidity uh, that it can't really use, uh, you know, productively, uh, at some point you're going to start seeing higher prices. Um, and for now, uh, we're in a deflationary, disinflationary environment, uh, and and so there's really in, in the intermediate term, all this is going to do is keep keep uh, rates very low. As, as central banks, you know, buy uh, uh, government securities and other types of securities, whether it's the ECB or or, or the Fed or the Bank of England, and and some of some central banks will will continue and extend those programs. The Bank of England, for example, is expected to extend its uh, securities buying program and maybe take rates down below zero. Uh, so central banks will just keep rates extremely low. Lo like you said, Brett, longer term, I think it's it's uh, you know a potential risk for. Or, uh, in terms of uh, you know s spiking inflation, uh, at least to some extent. And what are on, on that on that note of inflation, uh, people ebb and flow around that. I know that we do our loans with floating rates and so forth in case inflation comes in. How do you? I guess what do most economists right now forecast from an inflation perspective? Do they assume that 
we're not going to see inflation for at least the next year or two. What's kind of common consensus? Yeah, so, so uh, in the next uh, couple of years, inflation expectations, uh, the, say market-based inflation expectations are you know, sitting below 1% or, 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 or close to it. Uh, so very low, uh, disinflationary, what I'd call disinflationary environment. Economists also say, look, you know, um, uh, rents are going to go down uh, because the demand is, is slower. Uh, you're going to have, uh, you know, energy prices are still very low. Uh, and, and so uh, inflation will be under control. Uh, once you take it that out to five years, um, you know things could change, and 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 there's 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 some concerns that there's just so much liquidity in the market, in in the economy that uh, it will start becoming inflationary. That's helpful. So most people then, or most economists right now, are viewing that there's likely not too much inflationary risk over the next you know one to five years, but after that, there's certainly a lot of factors that could lead to uh, inflationary pressures. Uh, here we see the rise of uh, mortgage servicing portfolio or the percentage really of, of uh, portfolios that are in forbearance. And as you can see, um, there's been a large uptick in that. So nothing surprising, just a little more data with respect to uh, real estate. Uh, this next slide shows us different global sector output and forecasts. So the first uh, quadrant here you can see is for the first half of 2020, second half of 2020, and then the first and second halves of uh, 21. And this here breaks down by your motor vehicles, textiles, electronics, uh, headline manufacturing, uh, aerospace, and other, where you can see some sectors are forecast to have continued uh, challenges uh, even, even you know, a year or so out from now whereas a lot of sectors are expected to start to come back more just as far as people think about their portfolios, sectors they're investing in and so forth uh, is hopefully helpful. Here you can see uh, U.S. vehicle production uh, really starting to rebound, which I know is uh, helpful for a lot of folks uh, in the automotive sector. Uh, Lev, anything you think is particularly important from a U.S. vehicle production standpoint? It's people are shopping for cars. It's uh, it's one of these things that Americans want their cars, and, and probably more so now because uh, there is a um, people people are afraid of public transportation. They want to be in, in a private vehicle, and, and so you're going to see uh, uh, not just trucks but also cars starting to uh, rebound as far as demand. Um, and with interest rates being as low as they are, a lot of dealers are offering no interest packages. Um, you know, people are coming back to the dealerships. Yeah, good, good time to be uh, getting a car if you're if you're looking for one. Uh, here you can see where inflows have been. This is a a complex chart, but at the end of the day, the outcomes from it really show how much capital inflows have gone into healthcare and technology. Those are key sectors where you can see that people have really focused on investing capital, whereas there are other sectors, probably not surprisingly, such as consumer discretionary uh, financials and industrials that have really 
uh, lagged from a capital inflow perspective. And as you forecast right to the most recent data uh, towards the end of May, you can see that most of the sectors do in fact have positive inflows into them. Um, but the brown and um, the blue, you can see, have really consistently maintained strong growth. Uh, here you can, you can see some other data points around home builder surveys and airlines as far as confidence is concerned. And you can see that confidence really is rebounding. And I think that's uh, good to see in the airlines given how challenged they've been hit, that people are starting slowly um, and in highly social socially distanced and governed manners, but starting to get back into air travel as well. Um, here we look at some global manufacturing uh, rebound and outlook. And one of the things we thought was interesting about this is to look at, uh, this of course shows you a bit of a V shape, um, but I would call out that you look at when, you know, when things are, are looking to kind of get back into you know, V levels this way, because the, the, the view of this is probably a, a wider V um, versus a tighter V uh, from an economic expansion perspective. And the U.S. is projected to um, not only recover faster, but also have some positive benefits uh, benefiting uh, from the federal fe uh, government's faster response to stim stimulus and other things that should help the U.S economy on a relative basis to other economies. Uh, this page shows that the US GDP was less impacted in Q1 than UK and Eurozone. Just as you look at a few market comparisons, a lot of people ask us about that and, and uh, we thought some of this information you know, would be helpful. Let's talk about where we view the economy heading now. Uh, this is Goldman Sachs's global investment research forecasts where they're looking for positive real GDP growth as early as the third quarter of this year, uh, which is certainly uh, provides some optimism for people. The U.S. savings rate uh, has spiked a lot, uh, which is positive, certainly, although could be a bit misleading given the stimulus dollars that have been provided to a lot of Americans that have, in many cases, just not yet been spent. So this is less of a systematic shift of everybody saving more and more so a you know, government stimulus spike, which should be good as far as when people look to spend that money. Uh, hopefully that will help the economy with recovery when that money gets uh, spending again. Another positive trend that we're seeing is the unemployment filings in the U.S. continuing to drop. And uh, ultimately, that's, that's where things trend. So from uh, our vantage point, things are uh, looking cautiously optimistic, are uh, recovering, but we do believe there are real risks of a, another ramp up in COVID. We think that uh, the medium-term trends of vaccines and treatments for uh, COVID-19 and other viruses, frankly, are, are looking very positive, but it's unclear as to how strong they will be for this cold and flu season uh, coming up uh, this winter. And so we would certainly encourage people to be mindful and thinking of that for your own health and wellness 
And well, I know everybody wants to get out and get engaging with their relationships and friends and family, I think it is uh, uh, a good suggestion for all of us to make sure we maintain prudent measures for how we're doing that to avoid outbreaks that could happen uh, for our families, our loved ones, and from a business perspective, we know people need to get back to work. Um, we're certainly very supportive of that, but we do think that uh, it should be done in a cautious and controlled manner, uh, recognizing that that's not as fun for people to do. It creates challenges in operating, but we do think it's beneficial. Uh, and with that, Lev, any other uh, final kind of words that you think would be helpful for people as we forecast uh, the next few weeks here for folks? I think as the economy reopens, we're going to see a rebound. Uh, but you know, it's going to be it's going to be slow going, um, and uh, the jobs will come back. But again, not the, not, it's not like a switch that gets turned back on and, and we return back to normal. It's, it's going to be a, a slow, a difficult, challenging period ahead. But I think the worst is over. That's great. Well, Lev, thank you very much. Uh, thank you for all of our uh, listeners. We certainly appreciate all the questions and comments from other folks and from investors of ours that have asked different things. We hope you all have found this to be uh, good information. And if there are other suggestions or questions you have, please don't hesitate to reach out to us. We wish you all uh, health, safety, and happiness.